Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here today. If you are returning to us, really special thanks to you. Glad you found some value. Um, hopefully you're pleased sharing the podcast. Uh, you're probably going to want to do that here today again. Got another great podcast. Had a great conversation with Anthony Williams, the head coach at Frostburg State University, Frostburg, Maryland. Anthony um, came to Frostburg. He was the head coach at Claring University. Before spending time there, he was the University of Pittsburgh at Greensburg coach, where he is the winningest coach in program history there. And uh, he's also had some great, great experience being in the Coach of Plain League. He's also worked for the Pittsburgh Pirates in the advanced scouting department, uh, analyzing video, and was a assistant coach at the UMBC. We did a lot of specializing in base running, infield play. We really got his ears wet was GA, grad assistant at Frostburg State. That's where he started his coaching career off. So this was kind of a coming home for Anthony, where he kind of started his coaching career and got his master's, and now he's back there being the head coach. But Coach Williams is just a really great guy. I've been fortunate to have some conversations with him. We've we've talked base running. We've talked a lot of these things, and um, our conversation – got into a, a, all of those things. It got into a, a ton of things. So you're going to be able to take away, I think, uh, some valuable stuff from culture, from infield play, offensive philosophy and offensive work from a hitting standpoint, as well as some base running. And he even discusses a little bit about over the plate and over the rubber, the days that they're even doing with their pitchers. So we covered a ton of things, let alone what he's looking for in recruits. So, and their kind of philosophy and how they do that and how they go about looking for talent. So, without further ado, um, I want to start this conversation and get you get into it. But again, thanks so much to Coach Williams. Appreciate your time. Appreciate the consideration to come on. Um, give me some time here to, to talk for the podcast. And I'm really hoping, knowing that People can find value in this information because he leaves a, a, leaves a ton. Yeah, So he was really willing to share. Can't thank him enough. The head coach at Frostburg State University, Anthony Williams. First full week of team practice this past weekend. We're, we're obviously fortunate, but um, it was nice, man. It wasn't just being out there. It was the guys were energetic, and, and I think they weren't taking anything for granted. And um, you know, we got a lot of good work in last week and actually got to play a couple inter squad games on the weekend. So, you know, for the guys that didn't have summer ball or didn't have a senior year of, of high school, we only got, I think, 12 games in or something like that last year. So it was just nice to be back on the field. And in a typical year without COVID, we're probably not scrimmaging as much, you know, but this sure. year, we just want to try to let the kids play. I mean, we'll coach them up during the week. And then on the weekends, we just like we told the guys Friday, Saturday, we just go out and play and have fun and try to enjoy it. And we'll kind of reassess and reevaluate the, the following week. And we'll get we'll get back after it tomorrow with practice again and kind of start that process all over. So yeah, so are you using that time as like an assessment kind of thing where you can say, hey, I think this guy could use this kind of skill better, like maybe kind of build some plans based off what you're seeing? 
In some ways, yes. And like I said, in a typical year, you'd want to bring them in, kind of test and see where everybody's at and, um, you know, do more of assessments and things of that nature. Um, There are some programs at our school that kind of chose to get right back into the conditioning testing and and some of that kind of stuff. And for the reasons I mentioned before, we kind of backed off of some of that stuff we traditionally would do in the fall. And we just kind of spent the first two weeks just very, very slow, just trying to build, build the engine, man, just kind of restart things from the ground up and and let them just kind of knock some rust off. Um, You know, and then we started adding on, you know, at the end of the first week, we started adding, um, you know, some more higher intensity conditioning stuff. And then the following week, we started talking a little bit more through our offensive philosophy. I think one thing as a coach is, especially you know, with your freshmen, you don't want to overcoach and drop too much on them. We really want to kind of see what they're capable of doing. We have a pretty good idea, you know, elsewise we wouldn't have recruited them. Sure. Um, but before you start making wholesale changes and getting getting too far into the things that you believe in and, and you know, we want to just try to let these kids go out there naturally and, and kind of do what we brought them there to do and then um, and kind of go from there. And then this year with the short semester, I mean, we're we're wrapping up the beginning of November. Um, so we, we don't have as much time as we typically would in the fall. We still have our 45 day team window, which is really mid September through the end of October. And in Western Maryland, um, it's hard to say how long that weather is going to hold for us. Last year was weird. I mean, we were on the field December 1st, um, but we'll see what, what this year brings. So, um, but our goal really was to kind of just lay the groundwork, um, get them kind of into some really good routines and build some really good habits and really just kind of let them play, um, start to craft, you know, individual plans for guys as we go through the fall versus um, typically I would go through the 45 day window and then we'd start to get into our individual work where we go through their individual plans and, and create some things. And we still will, it just will look a little bit different this year. So, Mm -hmm. so will your individual plans be, I guess, built around, like the things that you're seeing during the games? Yeah, yes, and also some things we see in practice and some things we see in the weight room. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so our strength coach, his name's Evan Morton, and he's done a really good job. He's been at Towson, has been at Tennessee Tech, and worked with the baseball teams at both of those places. So um, I think he has a pretty good feel for, um, you know, baseball strength conditioning. Now we have some guys that want to add weight, some guys that want to lose weight, some guys that want to get faster – um, so I think all of that is kind of, we start to kind of construct some individual plans as we move through the fall, you know, based off their goals, you know, and also ours. So we're really just now diving into some goal setting and things like that. You know, like I mentioned, we, we're really trying to kind of take it slow this fall. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, when you think of goal setting, I'm, cause you know, you've kind of hit these different, you know, in your career, you know, you're, you left Greensburg as the, you know, winningest coach and, you know, you've kind of been successful. Do you, are you already trying to implement those goals? Like talk about the team, like, Hey, it's about the conference. Are you already setting goals for the team? Maybe internally for myself, but not, not much that I share with the guys. I mean, outside of us trying to check some boxes for some long-term goals we have for this year, which is to be, be a playoff team. I think I could, I think I could go that far as to say, you know, that's one of the goals we have, but a certain number of wins or anything like that's, that's nothing that's on our radar. Um, you know, we want to, 
we want to build this thing the right way. And, and I think more, more so just kind of listening to the guys and trying to see what they're trying to get out of it too. I mean, like I said, we're trying to build a championship type program here, but um, you know, we want our guys to, to think about their own personal goals and what they're trying to achieve, you know, and, and obviously that kind of works in reverse from, from the team goals. Um, but other, outside of being a conference tournament team, that's really the only like on-field goal you know, I've kind of set for our, our squad this year. So, and, and as I mentioned, we're really just kind of starting to get into some of that now. Sure. So like, and I was just wondering, thinking about like, um, you know, uh, if how my team goal is reflective on my, of, on my individual goals reflective of our team goal, you know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of making sure it's, it's in line because, you know, we're all, you know, I know you're not doing it to be, you know, anything but the best, like you said, a championship program. So it's almost like, you know, are, are there goals and your behaviors are they lined up with that, you know? Yeah, that's more of a behavior-based thing for us, like championship-type behaviors and mindsets and stuff like that. And and we we have something for that. And, you know, we really, as we go through the fall, we want our guys to kind of keep one simple mantra in mind, if you will. And that for us, it's, it's the word GEL, G-E-L. And it's an acronym in our program that stands for Grit, Energy, and Leadership. And those are kind of the descriptors, I guess you will, if our, of our program, of what we strive to be and what we look for in the recruiting process. And we've spent a decent amount of time trying to craft how we get those things out of guys. Um, but we do want them to align their personal goals um, <clears throat> and their personal behaviors, I guess I should say, to fall in line with that, that grit, the energy and the leadership, the things that that we think are really, really important to, to building a championship culture here. Um, and so we give them a test. It's really a subjective thing where they grade themselves. I actually have a copy of it that I nice. can share my screen. Um, that way it kind of makes a little more sense for you as I'm going through it. So, like I said, it's very subjective and, and it's a work in progress. So, you know, Trey, we we're always open for suggestions. If you look at something and, and have a, we're, we're, uh, we're definitely not re, uh, reinventing the wheel here by any means, but so we, we have, we rate, we have them rate each their selves one to 10 um, on these three descriptors, grit, energy, and leadership. And we have a couple, you know, short phrases on, on what we think those words mean. Yeah. Short and should be defined. Absolutely. Yeah, we go through it with them. You know, I mean, yeah, the the grit is for us. I mean, guys that are going to overcome obstacles, they're not afraid to fail, high level perseverance, that sort of thing, and get turned away by adversity. That's be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 then energy. I mean, I think you've probably spoken to a lot of coaches on these podcasts that talk about positive energy and and you know whether it's like the John Gordon mantra of no energy vampires or um, you know I heard. Um, I, th- I think it was, it might've been driveline. It was one of these companies that, that has done very, very well. They, um, they use the airport test, you know, like a guy that you, if you got stuck in an airport with a guy, it's just like a guy that's going to be a, a positive guy to be around somebody you would enjoy spending some time with. Mm. And I kind of like that. And I yeah. wanted to put that into the sort of the energy part. Um, but for us, it, it could be making a hustle play, you know, energy, yeah. energy could be, that guy taking an extra base or a pop-up in the infield and he's standing on second when it falls, those types of hustle plays bring energy to your team. And, you know, 
I, I don't know where we stole this from, but you're either a fountain or a drain, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we don't want guys that are that are drains on our on our team and at practice or in the dugouts or the locker room. So, and then leadership, we know that every freshman that steps on foot on our campus isn't going to be ready to lead, but we want to recruit future leaders of the program. Um, so, and I think the big thing for that is just encouraging other guys to reach the standards that we set within our program. And we want guys that are going to put action behind their words. So they kind of score themselves in these areas and out of 10. So a perfect score would be 30. We don't expect any perfect scores. Um, and then on top of that, we have a couple questions, supplemental questions that we ask them. And this can also be given out to coaches as we go through the recruiting process. And we want to find out some more information on guys. So it can be used in a lot of different ways. Um, the, the questions are kind of self-explanatory, but just a time when you had to face adversity and how you handled it and um, describing the, the player, what type of teammate they are and describing their work ethic um, on and off the field, in the weight room, everything, describing their intangibles and, and really describing their competitive nature. Um, so for the recruiting process, it's good for us to be able to identify things that we think are important in our, in our program, but for the guys that are already in the program, <clears throat> it's a, it's a good opportunity or a good lesson um, for them to kind of see where they see themselves, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, where they think they have room to improve and where they think they're doing a really good job now. And, you know, with the coaches, we'll do the same thing. We'll give them this, a, a similar score. Um, you know, we'll obviously have probably different, different um, scores for than they will, but, um, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it. And I think we just got to continue to be consistent in driving home these, these pillars and, and these things that we think are important in our program. But I think putting it on paper, um, you know, talking about it every day, you know, and then, then it becomes a, a behavior based thing where, you know, guys stand out in a negative way if they are bringing negative energy or they stand out in a negative way if they aren't working hard in the weight room or doing extra stuff on their own. Um, or if they're breaking their teammates down versus lifting them up. You know, we talked about the concept of Mudita last week as a team. And, oh, yeah. and um, just to give you an example of, of how far we are, we are to go, we, we didn't have anybody that knew what that word meant. So mm -hmm. there's also still a lot of educating going on um, with our guys, but um, standards are behaviors, man. And, and I know the culture is a buzzword and we all want, are trying to build the culture that we think is going to get us to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. um, but I certainly know it's more behavior based than anything else. So we're trying to create, create good behaviors, create good habits. And then we're going to have a lot of time apart this winter, more than, more than normal with the shortened semester and our, our spring semester starts late January. So we're talking about a, a two and a half month gap um, that we're not with these guys. And then a condensed season in the spring of only 40 games for division two. So um, we, we do have only a short window to get a lot accomplished this year. So we're going to do the best we can. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, <clears throat> I guess um, one thing is I was thinking, um, what'd be cool is like, you could put that on a, on a Google form and be all send it out and guys could just do it right on their phone as like a, <clears throat> as a way to fill it out for it. that way. You may not have so much paperwork or, you know, things like that, but that could be a really cool way of doing it. Maybe in a Google form. Yeah, no, that's something Coach, Coach Peterson's actually pretty good at some of that kind of stuff. So we were talking about that the other day. So nice. uh, converting that into a more digital format is uh, definitely on the agenda. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it just um, 
And even like, I, I love how it, like it was things were happening. Here's what happens in the game. You know, here's what we all like get in practice. You know, and here's what it looks like, you know, when you're just outside, like in the weight room, you know, and possibly in the classroom as well. Cause I'm sure that, you know, all those kind of behaviors, if you're a Frostburg baseball player, you should be acting a certain way. Yeah. I think any program, if you have core covenants or, or things of that nature, keywords that you use to describe your team, you got to know what that looks like in practice, in the classroom, in the community, all the above. Yeah, definitely, definitely an important piece. Now, is that something that, um, that's something you came up with a team or is that something that's really just about you and the coaching staff kind of started with that or how did you uh, come up with a gel? Yeah, I created it uh, two years ago when I was at Clarion and yeah, I came up with it myself, but it was kind of inspired by a little bit of John Gordon and honestly, a little bit of Nate Trotsky um, infield coach. Have you seen yeah, some of- his six tools? Yeah. Six, he's oh, got the the rat, yeah, the, the grinder, the dirt bag, and all the all the above. So he kind of has some descriptors and labels that I liked. So I kind of blended a little bit of um, of both of those things. And I think a lot of businesses and organizations they use personality tests. They use um, predictive indexes. I think they call them the kind of when they're going to hire somebody, they want to they want to know what they're getting, right? So they use these types of things to kind of highlight or, or flag, you know, things in the, in the um, interview process. And it's kind of along those lines, you know, we're obviously recruiting talent. We're recruiting guys that we think have the ability to help us on the field and help us win championships. Um, But these, these other intangibles, the grit, the energy and the leadership, um, you know, those pieces are equally as important for us. So we wanted to try to quantify it in some way um, I think one of the biggest flaws with it is that it is very subjective. So something I'll be working at and, and continuing to work on and lean on my coaches that I assist with is trying to make it more objective. Um, you know, so work in progress. I yeah, guess. for sure. No, and it's good though, man. The more you get, the more you get it. Like I used, I did, uh, we had, uh, I had it with my, we did a um, coach, like a, a captain's captain's meeting in the morning and I would have my captains come or um, we'd have leadership with the, some, all the bigger kind of cornerstone captains of the program. And then, and then what we did, they would kind of, when they were subjective about their stuff, I would just tell them no sevens. Like you cannot give yourself a seven because typically, you know, that's like right there. Like, oh, I think I'm a seven, you know what I mean? So and that was also like, cause like, it's, that's kind of like the middle where like, you know, like, all right, I had a pretty good week if I was an eight or nine or 10 or like, man, I got some things to work on if I was a six or a five, you know what I mean? So like we, it was funny, like during that whole time, that whole year we, we were doing it and it was, it came out to like a couple of months into it, like, all right, no sevens. You cannot give yourself a seven. Like you have to be, it, you just can't have a seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a good conversation to have. And it was just, cause it just really showed like for them to give themselves a good way to go, like where they need to work on and the, or what they need to continue doing. Yeah, it's a great evaluation tool for them. And yeah, and um, like I said, it just helps fall in line with the things we're trying to stress every day to them. It's a, I mean, my goodness. And for you to be able to hand that to a, like a high school coach or their, or their, or their summer ball coach and say, Hey, can you fill this out for me for Johnny? Like, man, that's that. And then like to let your coach, let your kids know that too. Like, man, that's, 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 that's pretty big time, you know? I got to tell the high school coaches they can't put a seven, right? They got hey, to right. take a stance. 
Okay, put a seven. Take a stance. These guys must be pretty good or like, eh, they're yeah. great. I'm <laughs> real sharp. <laughs> hey, it's something to work on though. But yeah, they, they could be great in the other areas, you know, like we yeah. all have things to work on. You know, there's lots of guys that are that are talented that just, you know, for different reasons may not be a fit for for us. And um, there there may be guys that we feel like we can get the most out of because they do have those three intangibles. And um, so when you're trying to make a decision between a couple of different players, you know, who maybe are on similar talent levels, these separators um, definitely come into play. Yeah, I think like uh, like a Toby Holler, he I think he checks all those three of those boxes. Yep, 100%. Knows his role, too, man. Wants to yep. come in and excel at it. and That's where his positive energy comes in because he's a dude that's going to allow you to have a good staff and knows his role. Like, he, he checks all three of those boxes. I truly yep. believe that. Well, that's so, great to hear. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You got a good dude there. Good kid. Good kid. Um, so, man, that's those are really cool, man. I, I really like that. So that's kind of stuff that I just love. And, and I think that just – that also helps you to even just develop. So, will you have – uh, I guess like classroom sessions, like weekly on this. Cause I know you're still, you're still building it and you're still in that, that, that phases. Um, but are you having like weekly classroom sessions? Um, I'm even thinking during that winter time would still be nice to me. Like now you have zoom calls, like everybody's kind of good with that. Like you could still plan on checking in with them and then kind of going over the gel stuff per week. How's that working? Yeah, that's something we're discussing. I think we may end up having to do a little bit more of the zoom stuff this this fall and winter than we want to because we really can't meet in person outside of practice. So really the in-person team meetings. Yeah. I mean, we normally would do an in-person classroom session and, you know, last year um, right before we opened the season is kind of when we started to introduce some of this stuff. And we had like our football coach come and speak to the team, um, you know, and he touched on a little bit of the stuff we gave him, a, you know, a copy of this, what we're trying to do and he talked a little bit about um you know how important some of those factors are to their program too and and um the transition to d2 and and what they went through in the fall and um it was a really good message and i think our our goal is to have these kind of weekly bi-weekly whatever classroom sessions character development sessions where we have somebody come in and speak to the guys and they're not just hearing the coach's voice all the time um, unfortunately, last last spring, we know how that ended. We didn't get very far into it. So we're kind of picking back up now. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to be creative. I mean, I think as a collective group, baseball coaches are a pretty creative group and um, a group of guys. And, you know, we'll have to use all of our resources. I think Zoom now is pretty commonplace. We use Microsoft Teams a lot as well um, at school. So yeah, we, we'll do what we need to do. And having the longer winter break this year, we're going to have to see what the NCAA is going to allow us to do um, in terms of some of these meetings and um, countable countable hours, essentially, is what they really are. So, uh, But we'll see. But right now, we're, we're going to try to do the best we can to get creative with it. And, um, you know, we just introduced it to them, you know, a week ago. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're on our way. But... Um, the not having the in-person classroom stuff is kind of a bummer. Yeah. And I, I, I find that interesting that it's, it's actually counts towards your hours, you know, and if you're just, you're not picking up a baseball, you're just, you know, you're just, you're talking a classroom session. That's, that's interesting. So it's just any time that you meet as a team, that's what that's counting against you. Yeah. Anytime we meet that it's, I mean, unless it's about like fundraising or something like that, but if it's, if it's uh, related to, 
any sort of development from a practice standpoint, watching film, going over film, um, breaking things down. Yeah, those are all countable hours for our guys, and we just got to be mindful of that. And um, the NCAA has got a lot of rules. We just got to make sure we're following them all. Well, sure. Yeah, you want to do things the right way, and, and that's what you want to do. So I think it's all part of your leadership, you know, and how you're jelly. You're, it's like, you know, you, I know that I'm sure part of you, when you don't put this out, is like, I'm going to be the model of this too. Yep, 100%. I think, I think that's where it starts, you know. Um, hopefully the guys would agree that, that I do bring those things to the table every day, and I, I do keep it in mind. And, um, you know, I do as much as I can with them in the weight room and, and, and in our workouts and conditioning and stuff like that. I think they would, they would say that even early on. I've been doing stuff with them. So, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to get in there and, and put, in the, put in the tough work with those guys and, and uh, certainly not going to ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do and um, may not be able to do everything you know, <laughs> anymore. So, but I do enjoy getting in there with those guys. And um, certainly I think when it comes to energy levels, we all as coaches, there's days we get to the field and we just, you know, we're, we're happy to be there, but we got, we have other things going on in, in our worlds and, and we got to make sure that we're, um, utilizing those same mental skills and, and, and things that we're asking our guys to do every day and, and checking the baggage at the door, so to speak, and coming and bringing that same energy because those guys rely on it. You know, if, if the leader of the program is coming and to practice and not bringing energy and is, is kind of down and, you know, then that kind of sets the tone for everybody else. So um, mm -hmm. got to fight through those days when you don't, don't have your best, um, sure. best energy level or whatever it may be. So absolutely. Absolutely. So like looking into like, um, I, I guess like thinking of now as you go into like, I know we were getting into before we get into this, just really cool. Um, you talked about some like individual plans and like getting into those things that you're going to get like, could we dive into like maybe what, like, are, are you, do you, as each coach kind of responsible for their own, so like, do you give out the infield stuff? Is it mostly that? Or is it, or is it um, pitching coach, of course, doing the pitching individual plans? Yeah, I do most of the most of the offensive stuff and on the defensive side, I predominantly stay with the infield. I kind of bounce around a little bit, but um, mostly I'm with the infielders. So mm -hmm. so from a development standpoint, yeah, I mean, we we went through I got another thing I can share with you here. Just kind of how we can identify where our strengths and weaknesses are individually. Nice. Uh, let's see. So I'll just kind of start with infield play because it's what I do the most of. Um, yeah, the Trotsky stuff is just it's a great resource. I think there's – yeah, there's a ton of great resources out there. You just got to get good at, um, you know, picking and choosing what works best for you. Absolutely. So if I can share another screen here for you. So th this is just kind of like a copy of a fielding chart. So we would do this in what well, we had three or four weeks of games last year, and we would kind of go through um, pretty standard stuff. I mean, just kind of charting for the infielders, charting plays made in, in the games. And we actually do this in practice. We just did this the other day in practice um, so that we kind of know where guys are deficient, where guys are doing well, where guys maybe, you know, we can stand to improve and, and create some individual plans out of this. You know, we have a guy that's, um, you know, making a lot of backhanded plays, you know, or missing a lot of backhanded plays. 
we can we can start to kind of take a closer look at that and in his individual work, maybe his daily work, he spends a little bit more time on the backhand if he's struggling. Um, this particular player was tending to go to his backhand too much. So we, we would start to kind of craft some stuff where we do a day where he's not allowed to backhand anything. We actually did that the other day with this guy. So, um, but we'll just kind of make tallies on charts in the games and then I'll go back and kind of compile it all here and we'll have, we'll keep a percentage, but I really like, you know, I mean, outside of just errors, I mean, we really need to, to look at a microscopic view of where those plays are being made or not being made. And, and this is kind of just something we do with the infielders um, and kind of tracking any type of ball that they may get, whether it's, like I said, in the two hand lane, glove side, backhand on the run, the throws that they make tag plays, um, you know, great example. We have a guy that continues to get a little bit too far out in front of the bag and, and reaching a little too far out in front. So, you know, we can start to, build some tag play stuff off the machine with this particular guy. And we keep like a running total. So the guys will have a running total and we see how guys grade out and fielding percentage can be, if you're just looking at uh, put outs, assists and chances and errors can be a little misleading. So we like to try to break it down on a, a little smaller scale. So for sure, you know, and then from there you take that, for the infielders. And like I said, we start to craft individual plans and, and we do daily work kind of all together where we we're on our knees, we activate the hands and we, we hop up and work on different hops. Um, but after that, I mean, I think when you really need to start to develop routines for each individual guy and having something like that, where we can see what they're doing in practice, we use huddle to film, we film everything and put it in huddle. So we have, we film practice every day. And we film every game from, from a couple of different angles. So we can go back and take the time. It is a little tedious and um, you got to have some extra, extra set of eyes and hands to, um, to be able to do some of this stuff. But if you're charting it in practice too, you know, I think th that's obviously where it begins. So. Yeah. So I was, I know that's incredible. I mean, so my, I guess another thing is I'm asking about, um, those routines that you're building in right so like you are like you said you're you're do you find yourself still like i mean you know because you're this is your second weekend like having to show them like trying to build these routines like okay so you start with like the you said like foundational like when you're indie work like your individual skill work you have foundational like four or five drills that you do and then you then you go off of okay now get into your specific ones that you need individually yeah, I think a lot of it's a progression, you know, like I said, we early in the fall, we're trying to teach them how to, you know, how we want them approaching ground balls, how to be on time for ground balls, um, proper footwork. We got a lot of freshmen this year, so we're trying to, you know, it, it's a refresher for the returning guys. And then it's teaching the the, the first year guys kind of how, how we expect things to be done. So, yeah, we have some drills that they all do the same thing. And then we give them a little bit of, of, uh, leeway and freedom to kind of add add or subtract you know if we're say we have five five things we do as part of our daily work and um you know they have the freedom to sub things out and and add things in and um you know especially like on game day if there's something they want to do on game day that's kind of a personal thing but um, we let them create their own routines I'm, I'm a big believer in that um not to switch gears but on the offensive side for sure we have a day where um 
it'll be just all their routine. So basically they're creating their own practice plan um, based off what they need. A lot of it comes from the input that the coaches give them on the things they need to work on, but we also let them create their own practice day, you know, and, and that'd be early in the week. So, you know, you play four games on the weekend and you're off on Monday, Tuesday, you get back in, in the cages and, and that could be a, an individual routine day for those guys. So we don't have all, say, if we have 20 hitters, we don't have all 20 hitters doing the same drills that particular day. Mm-hmm. So they're doing they, like they, game day routine. Yeah. And they, they can't, you know, they can't complain about practice that day because they kind of, they created it. So sure. I think giving them a little bit of say into what they're doing every day is important. Mm-hmm. So how has your, like, how has that, is that is this model, you know, of you with your infield work and your daily, how your foundational drills and then giving them the freedom. Has that, has that changed recently? Is that something that's kind of stuck with you in the last 10 years? Uh, it's definitely changed. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all doing something probably a little bit different than we did 10 years ago. Um, but there probably is some element of things I did early on in my coaching career with guys of, you know, in, in terms of foundational principles, how we approach balls, how do we get on time? You know, I think different things like that. We still have very similar concepts, but, um, and a lot of it's, a lot, a lot of it is stuff that's stolen from other, other coaches. Right. So sure. we all do a little bit of that. Yeah. So, um, but I, I would say probably in the last three or four years, uh, I've kind of, you know, changed a lot of, a lot of what I do in a lot of ways, especially from the offensive side, um, just trying to stay up with research from guys that are a lot smarter than me and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and things like that. So, but yep. uh, I, I, from the individual individualization standpoint, I think it's kind of some of the foundation pr- foundational principles of teaching is, um, you know, trying to get to e- get the most out of each individual guy. And um, you know, we got to learn a little bit about the player and, and um, what they do well and what they don't do well. So let's talk about a little bit. Let's dive into that um, some offensive side. So, like, what what what's the biggest change, I guess, offensively? You know, as you're as you're getting into things, are you um, is it a philosophy change offensively, or is it different movements that you're making differently from an offensive standpoint? Um, well, I would say the biggest change overall in in all areas has been. This, this, this strive to try to measure as much as we can. So 10 years ago, when I was coming into college coaching, we didn't have a lot of measurables besides the radar gun and the stopwatch. Mm-hmm. So now we have a lot more measurables. So I think it's trying to sift through a lot of that stuff. We, we are trying to measure everything that we can. And, but then, then the challenge from there is to go and to see what, is applicable, what is not, what, what correlates to gameplay and success on game day and, and what doesn't, um, you know, those, those are the challenges, um, for us as coaches. So, but I mean, we from the offensive side, I mean, we, we use a little bit of blast motion. We don't have everybody on the team outfitted with it. Um, you know, we, we have rap Soto coming for the pitchers. Um, so we are, we're going to use, you know, as much tech as, as our budget allows and as we can, um, but I think you really kind of break up your hitting sessions and similar to how we have kind of our, our pitching sessions broken up, which 
Coach Peterson, our pitching coach, has days where kind of borrowed a little bit from how Vanderbilt's coach, uh, pitching coach explains it is over the rubber days and over the plate days. And I think you can try to use that concept in really anything you do, try to segment your training. And some days we're working on the swing path and the movements that you alluded to. Some days we're working on chasing metrics and chasing bat speed and exit velo and things like that. So you got to kind of break things up in an organized fashion. Um, I, from myself, um, over this quarantine, I've, I've listened to a lot of different things and, and tried to add and pick up a couple of things here and there. Um, one of the things I'm really kind of bought into and, and try to utilize with our guys is some of the deceleration movements and patterns and stuff. Yeah. Um, something that I probably would never have thought of adding into what we do um, maybe five years ago. Um, We've Especially always- like not even talking, like thinking in the strength coach, talking to him and so on, like the med ball stuff you can do with that, you know, yep. and there's some really cool things and you're starting to see it so much more because it's about the movement. You know, you start to see hitters and it's not all the time. I think it's when you get caught sometimes in because even the guy who scissor, I don't think scissor every time. It's almost like when you get caught in a certain pitch, it almost frees you up to get to a pitch that might get on you, you know, um, get on you too. But Matt Swope is a guy that just he loves it from the guy from Maryland. Yep. He's all over it. And I think like for guys like that, I mean, we just try to let them we try to feed into what they do. If they naturally have right. a move, we have a guy that does that now. And instead of five years ago, I would have tried to change that player, right? And, Absolutely. And now we're just trying to kind of feed into what he does naturally and his natural movements. And I mean, that's kind of a very basic uh, thing of coaching but we've kind of got away from it and I think now we're getting back to it a little bit is um, going back to something that Nate Trotsky said we talked about him a second ago I heard him say this a few years back maybe five years ago as um talking about infield plays not trying to coach the athleticism out of guys mm. and I feel like that's something as coaches we need to we need to keep in mind quite a bit um, that we, we tend to try to do that a little bit too much coach the athleticism out of guys not intentionally, but, um, but you do, you make them robotic, you know, and I can tell you like that. We have a kid, the kid who left us, Cameron Cutchie, he's at Lockhaven right now, you know, and that kid as a freshman was like just locked up, hunched nervous. And he was the best athlete that in this class for sure, but probably for a couple classes in, in the whole school was a freshman. And I'm like, this is not right. Like, this is not right. Like it, as athletic as this kid is for him, for him not to stand up, have a little emotion. Like you just need to be athletic in the box. And that was one of the biggest things we just tried to convey to him is just be athletic in the box, you know, like, Oh my goodness. You know, I, I, I was like, man, am I really doing this? Am I being that robotic and section that, I, that guys are not being athletic in the box? Like, man. Yeah. And if you, if you go and just kind of let them be who they are a little bit and feed into that and help them, help them uh, just get their natural athleticism to shine. You know, it's amazing what small little changes can do. Can, they can yield big results for guys. So mm-hmm. I keep that in mind. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's funny like when you say that d-cell stuff like guys scissoring and stuff i mean i was working with like nine-year-olds last year you know my son's team and kids were just like one kid in particular would just just step in close himself off and just step in close i'm like okay then take this back foot and go like this and just like kick the back of them you know like think of yourself as you're bowling or something like that you know just give them a cue like that and all like everybody's like what in the world i'm like but then i allowed him to get the head out like he started to be able to move just move better at certain pitches you know, but it's just funny that people, they would just want to coach that out of them. But if a kid naturally goes like that, 
you know, it's, you know, I'm thinking you're seeing that even on a pitching standpoint too. More guys are, you know, they're landing clothes, other guys are landing clothes and it's okay. You know, it's not a huge deal. They're not drawing the, drawing the straight line from the rubber to the plate and make sure you land on the line, you know? Yeah. So I think going back to your original question, that's where things have changed the most for me and for probably lots of coaches in, in the last five years or so is we kind of gotten back, I think, to just letting kids do what they do well, you know, letting them do it and go out and be athletic. And uh, that's not a, that's not a new philosophy by any stretch of the imagination, but it is something I think we got away from for a little while. Yeah. They got a little robotic. And I think now it's almost like, but what's changed too is like, we know why they're doing it. You know, yep. I think that's, and, that, and a lot of times the, the, the kids now they're, you know, they're a lot more, everybody has the information at their fingertips. So they're, they're going to know if you're talking, you're talking BS, you know, and they'll just look it up or do whatever. So people are a lot more informed now. And I think it's, it's good to have those information where you can say, here's why you're moving like that. It's good for everybody. It's good for coaches to be able to, to hold ourselves accountable. And, and, you know, we may have had this longstanding belief on something and now we can measure it and say, well, you know what, maybe I was wrong all these years about something. And, Mm -hmm. um, as long as you can kind of, as a coach, check your ego at the door and not be afraid to admit, hey, you know, I probably messed up guys over the last five years doing it this way, where maybe now I realize that through new research or other things or, or people that are much smarter than me coming up with with ideas that are a little bit better, um, you know, based in biomechanics and things like that, then, you know, we can we can say, hey, this is how this is how it should be done now. And, and, and I'm a not ashamed to say that I probably screwed up more hitters than I helped over my career. You know, we all probably have. So, um, but you're right. There's a lot of information out there. And I think that, you know, for young coaches, it's, it's can be difficult because I, I feel like a young coach may get lost with every year. They're, they're trying to reinvent their own philosophy and not really know what they stand for or what they believe in. And, and uh, it can be, it can challenge your beliefs, you know, quite easily absolutely okay so like on an offensive standpoint so are they are you are you basically structuring things the same kind of way where you have like foundational drills that you might do like during like your cage work um and then you know guys will kind of pick up routines based on who they are based on the kind of things you might get from blast uh, or assessments that you kind of see during uh like during that weekend series yeah so if i can real quick just kind of Share my screen one more time. So I would say um, we break our philosophy up in segments. Like we don't try to cover everything every day with our offensive philosophy. And a lot of it um, is pretty basic, you know, you know, with our, with our goal of, of trying to maximize run production by applying pressure and making hard contact. Now, I don't think that is a, um, new age philosophy by any means, but I'm an aggressive coach. I like to teach base running. I like to be aggressive on the bases. So we want to try to, you know, make that one of our, our goals as an offense is to apply pressure. So, and then, you know, making hard contact is what it's all about. Making consistent hard contact is what we should all be striving to do. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, you got to break down how you do that and, you can't cover everything every day. So we try to talk approach one day. So for instance, um, 
And I'd say our approach probably most closely resembles um, the approach that uh, I heard Monty Lee uh, from, from Clemson get, talk about and kind of how I feel about it too is we, we take the plate and we break it up into no strike, one strike, and two strike counts. And, and we give the guys visuals. So an 11-inch plate would be taking a ball off each corner, the inside and outside corner. And then no strike counts, we're trying to do damage, right? Um, and then one, in one strike counts, we're covering all 17 inches of the, of the strike zone of the width of the plate. Um, you know, and then with two strikes, we're adding a ball on each end on each side. So we're taking that 17 inch plate and making it 23 inches and, um, you know, just making sure that we have an understanding of what we're trying to do in each count. So, you know, if we have one strike on us and, and we get a fastball on the outer half on the black, we better be able to put a good swing on it, you know, and, and I, I think that this philosophy is what what I believe in, what I think works for us. I know there's plenty of coaches that, um, you know, for instance, I know Arkansas, they, they're trying to get their best swing off every swing, you know, no strikes, one strike, two strike. Their philosophy is we want to get our best swing off every time. Um, you know, not really concerned about punch out numbers, just trying to make sure we're putting, putting a good swing on it every single time. And, and, um, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't care about strikeouts. You know, I, I do. Yeah. I, I, I do. I think that there's value in, in balls in play. And so, you know, I want to make sure that our, as an offense, we're, we're trying to, if one of our goals is to apply pressure, well, we can't apply any pressure if we're, if we're swinging, um, you know, taking our, our, our damage approach with two strikes. So, um, we may run into one here or there, but we're not going to be consistently applying pressures to uh, to a defense. So, you know, and then from there, you talk about your game day goals as you get closer to playing games, which we did this weekend. And we have a, a whiteboard in the dugout where we're going to track things like this. Um, and then you spend a, a couple of days building the uh, the mental keys. And a lot of this is is Brian Kane stuff. And, you know, I don't want to get on to a, to a tangent here, but I could talk about this for a little while. But um we have the guys do some things pre-practice where they get to practice and they're trying to, you know, check their baggage at the door, so to speak. And they're, they're trying to get their minds right and, and, you know, get rid of all the stressors they have throughout the day with class and um, whatever else might be going on in the personal life. And I think that's great. And that's definitely part of the mental game. And I think coach Peterson has been doing a great job with our pitchers, getting them mentally prepared every day. Um, but more than that, it's about giving them strategies that they can do in real time in game situations. Um, because I think there's a time and place for everything. Like for us to go out and lay in the outfield grass and, and, and kind of start to visualize and, and relax and breathe like that. There's a time and place for that. And that's the beginning of practice. We're not going and doing that in the batter's box in the seventh inning when the game's on the line, we have to have a checklist of things that we do, uh, in the batter's box or on the mound um, that are getting us to, to a good place mentally. So I, I think that our offensive and our offensive sessions have a component of this to them where we're challenging them to not just take a round of eight in the cage, take three and get out of the cage or step out, go through a, through a routine, get back in, um, start to kind of break things down and, and work on the mental game in practice 
Um, maybe it's turning the music up loud. Maybe it's having guys chirping in your ear in the cage um, so that we're actually trying to practice working on the mental game. Um, if all we do is just is the, the pre-practice kind of relaxation visualization, I think that's great. Um, but that's not enough for us to develop skills that are going to translate the gameplay. So um, that's a component of our offensive philosophy and trying to touch on those things. And, you know, I think, man, those things could be as powerful or more powerful than any mechanics talk or approach talk that we could have. It's just giving guys something to go to when, when the they rubber, need it. And the crap is the fan because it's coming. Yeah. Like, like, uh, the late Ken Revis always, always says. So um, there's a lot of great mental coaches out there. I think we're, uh, I definitely would no expert in it, but um, there's so much good material out there. We're just trying to take some, some of the things from guys that, that have shared philosophies and just try to incorporate that with our guys. And, you know, it may be something that's not new to us as coaches, but it's new to the players, you know, the players, they do have access to a lot of the stuff at their fingertips, but um there's not a whole lot of them going and listening to podcasts and, and going to the ABCA convention and things like that. So I got to keep that in mind too, because, um, you know, I have a thing where I'm always trying to do something different, you know, and, and I think a lot of coaches are that way where, you know, we, we don't want to regurgitate information that we already know, or that's out there already. We're always looking for something new and innovative, but we also got to keep in mind that the players don't know what, what we know sometimes. So mm-hmm we need to make sure that we're not skipping over some of the stuff because it may seem basic or simple to us because we've heard it a million times on podcasts or zoom calls or things like that. Um, so. Well, that's great. You know, especially I think with the red lights, yellow lights and green lights, you know, looking at those kind of things. I mean, a lot of those strategies, you just take you pause, take a deep breath, you know, give yourself a release. Um, those are things you can also start incorporating in their own life. You can start to see and ask them the question, when, when did you do this outside of the game? You know, because then it's that gets that much more powerful too. Um, but those are simple things, man, you get out of the cage, you go over there and do your release, you know, and see what it's going to be. You know, I think you can incorporate those things. Cause everybody's going to do PP on the field. Then what are you doing afterwards? Like when you get done, you know, what are you doing right before you get on? Like those are simple little routines that stuff that I've learned, you take, you pick up and you start thinking about those things. Like that's, that's, that's where we can do it. And it's all should be natural. Cause you should also be doing this in a game, just like this. Here's the visualization. Here's on your own deck where you get your timing down. You start your, these routines. All right. You just messed up. We'll get out of the box, take a deep breath. Da, 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 and you can work on that release. So you just touched on it, man. Like giving them things that is going to translate to their personal lives. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I'm such a big believer in that. And I think it's our duty as coaches to try to help build these good habits for these guys that they're going to use in the rest of their lives. And, um, and they may not play baseball until they're 40 years old, but, um, habits that they can use that maybe you got a guy that has an anger problem and, and he can use some of these keys that he uses for hitting to kind of like calm himself or, or get himself in a good place mentally off the field in his own personal life. There there's, it's, there's some powerful stuff behind that tray for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. That's great. And it's awesome that your guys are getting it. Cause yes, most guys. And I think that's the, I'm sure you and your dad have some great conversations as your dad is an old school kind of guy, you know, like, you know, and I it just, I would love to love to be in the living room then, you know, listen to you guys, 
you know, talk about those kind of things. And some, some guys think they just have them, you know, like, Oh, this guy can just relax in the press. He just, he just has it. He's just clutch. You know, I'm like, I think there's more guys that could be if they get, if they have a chance to work on those things to slow themselves down. Yeah. Those living room conversations with my dad probably changed over the years. greatly. <laughs> so when I was, when I was probably these guys age, I, I wasn't listening to a whole lot of what he had to say, but um, now you, you get a little bit older, a little bit more mature. And, and then you get into this whole coaching thing and you start to realize, okay, maybe he was making some good points back then. And um, so we got a pretty unique dynamic on our staff and, and I think in a good way. So um, we're definitely fortunate there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, well, shoot, man, that's, that was, this is, this has been awesome. This has been great. I was just, um, so the only thing we really haven't touched base, because I know we've talked about this before is base running, you know, and, um, you know, we've given some valuable stuff with, with, with defense and with, uh, with hitting and offense. So what about base running, man? Like, so like, have you, you said you've kind of like walked the minutes because I know your base running stuff is probably stuff that most of the new guys have never seen. So like, are you trying to do a little bit? Are you waiting for time to do that? Or are you getting into that just right away? Yeah, we just started that. So we're incorporating a segment of base running at the beginning of every practice, every team practice, but we just started team practice this week. So um, we're, we're breaking it down very fundamentally, very, very basic, uh, and then just adding each day. So um, like last week we attacked mindset, mentality, getting out of the box, getting around the bag, getting through the bag, those kind of things. And then we'll get into stuff this week that's a little bit more advanced in terms of steel breaks and um, you know, then we'll have the debate and, and, and dive through the video of directional step versus the crossover and all that kind of stuff and um, start to kind of maybe do some experiments and time some guys and, and let them see who which way they're faster. And um, I, I will say if we we're going to talk base running, the one thing I, I, I stressed to the guys last year, last fall was we try to compete on the clock a lot. I mean, there's days where we're teaching technique and fundamentals. Um, and there's days where we're competing on the clock and and we did do that a lot. And I think the guys, when they know their steel break time, when they know their, their first to third base bag to bag time to run, uh, when they know what those are and they compete against it, man, it brings out the best of those guys in practice. It's um, just like when you're in the weight room, you know, what you bench and what you're trying to, you're trying to beat a number and um, you know, if you're doing exit velo, it's same thing. So that we, we drill into their heads, what their steel break time is. We, we drill into their heads about how important knowing the math with the pitcher's time to the plate and, and the, the catcher's average time and, you know, what, what their steel break is. So, so will you give guys green lights depending on that, depending on their number? Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. For sure. And um, so we're in the development side, we're trying to, we're trying to get faster. We're trying to get better jumps. We're trying to, um, you know, get better reads and we're trying to develop that side of it. But from our speed training days, we're on the clock. We're just competing against a number. And in that, I know that's something that Wright State does a lot is they compete on the clock quite a bit. And whether it's home the first times or steel breaks, or like I said, we do a time first to third bag to bag run um, versus we really don't run the 60. We haven't done that yet. We may at some point this fall, but um, yeah, no, I think there's, there's a lot of value in all that kind of stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. So that's something that sticks out to you when you're a recruiting kid. That's something you maybe look for. Or is that just icing on the cake? 
Yeah, no, I, mean, I think that the, the, ins, ins, no, running is a big part of our offense and, and the pressure thing I mentioned. So if our offense backing up from our game model of trying to apply pressure, we need guys that can run the bases. And it doesn't mean that it's always just a six, six showcase guy. Um, you know, we have a kid coming in next year. Who's, who's not a, a six, six runner. He's probably a six, eight, six, nine runner, but he's got great instincts. And, and I know that you, you know, the name Brian Roberts pretty well, probably. So oh, yeah. um, we watch a lot of Brian Roberts and his dad, Mike Roberts is a phenomenal base running coach, but Brian Roberts is a great example of a guy who doesn't have blazing speed. He probably wasn't a six, six runner. Um, from every, everything I've read, he was probably more like a, like a six, eight, six, nine runner. But if you have instincts and you get good reads and good jumps and you can steal bases and then you're whatever speed you run at that plays up in the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big part of the recruiting process. And I think that we try to look at, try to look at your game model and your philosophy for what you're, what you're all about. Um, and if, like I said, going back to our offensive philosophy, if, if um, we're trying to make consistent hard contact and we're trying to apply pressure, then um, for us to go out and get a guy who has great exit velo, but only barrels up one out of 10 baseballs, um, you know, we're, that's probably not a guy we're going for or a guy that, um, you know, is, is a singles hitter that doesn't run well. Um, again, probably not a guy that's for us. So people to fit in your model. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But it takes a little bit of time on the front end to kind of build that model and and to think about, you know, I think we all have these like core beliefs or what we're looking for. We all feel like we have a good evaluation of talent, but um, if you don't know really what you want to be or you don't have an identity, you know, then it can be difficult and you can just be kind of running around in circles. So. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. Like this player is good. Just may not fit. Not not one of ours. Yeah. It's just not what, not who we are, not what we're looking for. So it's. Player selection is critical. And um, you know, so having a good process for that. And, and again, I mean, we, we have some things I shared that I think help us identify what we're looking for, but it's not a perfect process. And, and, you know, we have to go out there and hustle and, and, and try to, you know, sometimes you got to see a thousand kids to get, to get eight to 10 that you like. So. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. See, I was just thinking like, uh, just all the bait. So will you actually go the two different like hybrid stuff that Brian Roberts would do like his jump steals and you got some old school stuff too. You like getting all that with your guys? Yeah, we do. And I mean, I think that is going back to knowing the math, right? If there's a guy yeah. that's uh if they're better at the jump lead, then you're going to roll with the jump lead. Or if we know a guy is a, say, for instance, the pitcher's a 1-5 on, yeah. on the mound and the, the catcher's a 2-0, and I run a 3-4 steal break, well, I know the math. That's a 3-5 for the, the battery on the field. I, don't, I probably don't need to do a, a, a jump lead or a vault lead there. I don't need to right. I don't need that extra edge or advantage. You know, I can probably just get my average time is going to beat their average time. So just kind of having a feel for when we need to, when we need that little edge, you know, we get a guy who's a one Oh to the plate and, and a catcher who's a, a one nine or a two Oh to the, to the bag. I mean, all right, we're going to have to find a way to get to second base here and we're going to have to get creative. So we may need to look for another competitive advantage where it's, yeah, we see something in his timing um, 
for his looks. You know, we use kind of the UCLA method of, of counting and, and, and identifying what letter or number, depending on what we're using, that they go to the plate on and mm-hmm. um, pick up those little things from the dugout. And we, we keep we keep that in, on a whiteboard in the dugout. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, so we're trying to we're trying to give them all that sort of information. And then um, we probably I mean, I don't care. It's on a podcast if, if guys hear this or not, but we probably delay steel more than anybody that that I can think of. So really? we, yeah, I think that was a conversation it. we had. Cause I asked Tariqa about that. Like if he ever delayed steals, I thought we might have that conversation. So yeah. Cause I like, I like the delay steal, especially if you do have that big time guy that is quick and a catcher that's quick, but it's an easy way you can try, you know, cause if you haven't worked on it, you ain't getting it. Yeah. We're that's something we're going to practice. We're going to, we're going to show video of guys being successful at it. Um, our own guys being successful at it. And it's just something where we will pick and choose some good times to do it. That's probably not a green light for those guys, unless I have a guy that I really trust. Um, that's your, that's normally called because that's something I'm, I'm constantly looking for that opportunity. I'm constantly looking for that. Um, I guess lackadaisical middle infield or that catcher yep. that kind of constantly goes to his knee or, mm-hmm. You know, if we got to create some sort of offense or we're facing a good arm, then we're just not barreling that day. And we need to kind of look for an opportunity to to uh, to steal 90 feet and, and get in the scoring position. So do you um, like that? Do you like on the delay still you like two long exaggerated hops or do you like the extra shuffle? Yeah. So I've, I've been going back and forth on this. I used to teach the long exaggerated uh, yeah. shuffle. And now I think there may be a little bit more value in kind of keeping that low to the ground, short shuffles, and then get into a little bit earlier than normal. So um, that's something I think we'll probably test a little bit this fall, and I'll get back to you with an answer on that. Yeah, or, or I was thinking like, so I've, I've even talked about with uh, with it more of, it's more of an advanced thing. I think you could do it at your level is maybe just be late. Yeah, like, I think being late, late is important. Yeah. Just be late. Like just yep. literally make it like a little league steal. Like just think of it like that. It's like, it's like a little league. It's like two shuffles on a little league steal, you know, when the ball's out of the hand, you know, like right. something like that. So the also- idea, yeah. The idea is you want the, the, the middle infield and the catchers to initially get that initial think thinking of, of no steal here, no, or there's no yeah. runner here, but you don't want to take so much time with it that you're getting thrown out because you're getting late into, into going, you know? Yeah. So uh, just trying to find a good time that we can, and that's where those long exaggerated ones, they tend to not get guys up to full speed quick enough. And, and then they still gives the defense more time to react. So I think that's, we're going to test that out a little bit this fall. So cool. Yeah. That'd be fun, man. I like base running's fun. I think that's, it's, it's I, you know, a good coached up team that can run the bases, you know, that's a, that's a coached up skill. And when guys can do it, you're going to score more runs and, you know, but uh, it's a very coached up thing. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's something where I wish we had more metrics or more ways to measure it other than just stolen bases. I think we try to use a base running chart to, you know, identify the guys that go first to third really well. Um, we do a, a, a time, like a bag to bag run first to third versus like running the, like a 60 straight ahead. We're going to just go bag to bag and, and it forces guys to make a turn around the base and incorporates um at least one little variable there so or constraint so um 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to try to measure as much as we can. And I think if we can come up with some creative ways to measure base running. Yeah, it sounds like you measure like just a good jump, you know, maybe a good jump, bad jump. Yeah, there's some subjectivity to it, to yeah. that as well. But, it's tough. It's really tough. But I, I would agree with you. I think there's a, you know, a ton of value in, in being a, a well-coached base running team, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fortunate to have some good coaches around me that I can kind of spend some more time on those little things and, and just kind yeah. of on. Well, even coach, Rob, even your AD, man, I, I remember going, you know, just watching him play and knowing him for years. Like, so I think one thing that always stood out, like how they went first to third, you know, certain the kind of base running he would do, you know, like he would, he put pressure on guys, you know, like he, you know, you're Feffy following a guy that he would. I remember, I, you know, I always remember certain games watching him just thinking, man, they they run the bases really well. Yeah. I mean, uh, Frostburg has been a, a team that stole a hundred plus bases in a number of years at the D3 level. Um, you know, it's kind of our goal, the 50 game season. We want to have two bags a game. We want to be a hundred, hundred plus a steel team. Um, I think we were, Right around that last year, we were maybe just a, a touch below. So when you go out recruiting, you try five guys that fit into that model that, that you want to be. So, yeah, yeah, well, that's just great, man. We touched a little bit about everything. I really appreciate you, ha- appreciate you coming on, coach. If there's anything else, like people might want to see those slides that you showed, if you're willing to share, what's the maybe the best way to contact you for them, maybe to reach out? Yeah, just shoot me an email, um, anwilliams at frostburg.edu. I'm happy to share you know, anything that I put on there tonight or anything that guys have questions about. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the great, great part of coaching is we're all willing to share things. And certainly, certainly during this time, I think it's been great that, you know, if you haven't gotten better as a coach during this whole quarantine, then you haven't really put much effort into it. So. Mm-mm, I agree. I agree. And that's what it is with what's really good about the baseball fraternity. Like probably the best thing I think of all coaches is how much we can share, but it's A.N. Williams at frostburg.edu. Yep, you got it. Yep, can't wait, can't wait. Well, well, Coach Williams, I just, uh, you know, I've already took up a little over your hour of your time, so I just wanted to say thank you, man, for this and wish keep wishing the most uh, most success at Frostburg for sure. I appreciate it, Trey. Yeah, man, you get two baseball guys talking baseball, we could have done <laughs> another hour. We could have, we could have, but it's not, you know, you still got a lot of painting to do, you know, like I know you guys are ready for the wedding and all, so we, got, we should get going. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Looking forward, looking forward to it. Yeah, buddy. You bet. Best of luck this weekend too, coach. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Just some great stuff from coach Williams. Can't thank him enough for the time. Um, it's a couple things I just it really stood out to me. Um, was I love how he's just trying to build his culture, kind of keeps us accountable with his gel uh, values, grit, energy, and leadership. Those are the things he's looking for in his recruits, looking for every day, what he's trying to instill in his players to be every day. Um, just love his uh, type of leadership where he knows that he's not going to ask his players to do anything that he wouldn't do or he wouldn't model. Um, I love his how he's trying to measure as much as they can to get as much de- data as they can to either put on an individual plan so a kid can, they can help a kid with their individual work that they need or getting data just for being able to see who needs to get into the game, when to put them, uh, as well as even the recruits that they're recruiting. 
So uh, Coach Williams always had a great reputation for recruiting, being a real hustler, having a lot of energy when it comes to recruiting and things like that. So you know they're and for him to for them to have a took time to build their philosophy and their approach to the recruits they're trying to get, that's gonna be um best for those guys and for their program. Uh, it really speaks to them being intentional and not just looking for anybody. But some really, really great stuff. Um, you know, love the love the data that he's taking for his infielders. You know, his infielders know that if they have drill work, that's pretty pretty purposeful based off of the stuff that they're doing during games. Um, their offensive approach. Uh, love the doing damage approach from a gap to gap approach and men, and the two strike approach. Uh, those are really cool ways. I, I th- for me, I've visualized like a small plate for for one of those, and then visualize like a, a, the regular plate, and then the, maybe a larger plate for a two strike approach, and then just having those certain days that my coach is talking about. Um, really great things, and love how I talk about co- competing with the clock. You know, have so many people aren't competing with the clock doing, doing um, base running drills. You know, just letting guys see what their times are. You know, knowing what they are. Just, just get to just time them, time them when they're going home the first. Time them when they're going first to third. Time them when they're showing second to home. See who the fastest one is. You know, when they see the pitcher and you have the catcher, add the two numbers up. And if the guys know that if they're a three four, it takes them three seconds to get from home to first. Or three four seconds, and the pitcher and the catcher takes three, three two. Then you know you can't really go, or you might need to try something. But if they're under typically their average times, then you have the green light. So guys, it helps them just understanding the game. That way they're not just worried and waiting for you to tell them to steal, and not and instead of looking for opportunities to steal. So really great stuff with Coach Williams. Again, reach out to him uh, if you'd like to hear anything more, anything more about their program, anything more about. Uh, things that he shared. His email is anwilliams at frostburg.edu. Again, that's anwilliams at frostburg.edu. Anthony Williams, the head coach of Frostburg State University. Coach, I can't thank you enough. And for all you listening, I can't thank you enough as well. Continue. Um, hope you continue finding great value in it. I hope you continue to do well and keep getting better.